Good morning. I just want to start off by saying thank you for allowing me to come and asking me to come and share my story with you. Um, I'm very excited to be able to come to you today, but I just want to start off by, by having a word of prayer, if you wouldn't mind praying with me. Dear Lord, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to come and share your many blessings in my life today. Dear Lord, I ask you that you be with every member in this congregation and just open their hearts and open their ears and their minds to receiving your love and wisdom that you bestowed upon us, dear Lord, by sending your son Jesus down the cross for all of our sins, as we know that we're not worthy of anything that you've done for us, but dear Lord, that your grace is so sufficient that we can just come to you whenever we need you. And dear Lord, we ask you that you always be with us, always bless us. In your name I pray, amen. So just a little background about me. Um, I was baptized in 2003 at a very young age. I think I was like nine years old. So church has always been something that I've been accustomed to. I grew up going to, you know, all the Bible schools and playing ball. And every Sunday, no matter what, we were in church, even though I didn't want to go. And it was the longest hour of my life. (laughs) But God has had uh, many blessings in my life. As uh, my papa was saying that anything with a ball, I pretty much was good at, even when I was little. Um, So... The blessings are my family, and I was able to just have so many trips and so many places. We traveled so many places just for me to play baseball or basketball or anything. But no matter what, I could always count on my family being there in the stands, no matter where I was. And this is just some more pictures um, of the many blessings of my family. We were able to go to concerts, to the aquarium, to the bird parks, Pirates Voyage, like anything. We're always together. It's always Always the five or six of us, always. And I was actually um, very blessed to have what I call an angel come into my life with Landis. I think she was sent uh, directly from God, and she took me hunting my very first time, and I was actually able to kill my first eight-pointers the other day. So that was that was nice. I told her she's my little good luck charm. <laughs> Next. All right. And these are just some of my athletic abilities. So I was uh, actually fortunate enough to have my jersey retired at Hereford County High School. Um, I'm the only baseball player. Nobody will ever wear number 12 again. So that was actually a really big accomplishment. Um, I was top five in the state all four years for my batting average, home runs, strikeouts, pretty much everything that you could have a stat with. I was also blessed by able to play in the second hottest uh, nation uh, league for baseball, which is the Coastal Plain League. And the actually two p- uh, pitchers, Justin Verlander, and I forgot who the other one was, but he actually played in the Coastal Plain League for the Wilson Tobbs, and I actually played on the Ashboro Copperheads. But my host family is in that picture, and he was a president at State Employees Credit Union in Ashboro. So him and his wife were very influential in my college career as well as my decision for what I wanted to do after baseball. And then these are just a little bit more of the blessings in college. I was actually um, able to get all conference in college, and I'm actually in the top ten for strikeouts, innings pitched, and ERA in Barton College history, even when it dated back to Atlantic Coast, um, Atlantic Christian College. These are some more of uh, my family and my graduations, and my mom's biggest um, accomplishment for me was the day I told her I finally got a job. (laughs) She was so happy. (laughs) And then, uh, so my life is going pretty good, as you can see. Um, Even, you know, as a kid, I I pretty much had everything I needed. I was good at baseball. I was very popular in school. I had a lot of friends. did everything I wanted to do. And then May of 2016, I was attending a wedding and I didn't see some tree roots uh, that were growing up and I twisted my ankle. Didn't really think anything of it. Continued um, with the wedding. July came by and I went scalloping and I was wearing the flippers. And one night I came home and my ankle was really, really swollen and it hurt just to put the covers on top of it. So I was like, something's definitely not right. And it's been going on for like a month. So I go to the urgent care Urgent care, you know, looks at it, tells me, oh, you just have a really bad sprain. We'll give you some ibuprofen and you'll be fine. Okay, no big deal. So I went home with an air splint and continued to have the pressure and the pain. So I finally called uh, Florida Orthopedic Institute because I was living in Florida at the time. And they were like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll bring you in. Well, to get into them, you had to wait six weeks. So I had to wait six more weeks. Finally got in, they did uh, MRI, found a mass on my talus, uh, 
the first doctor told me that, you know, it's, it's probably where you tore tendons and your tendons are trying to fuse back together, but they fuse as a ball. Nothing to worry about, but because the, um, the guy said that it was a fluid filled mass, we're going to have to send you to a radiologist. I said, okay, called mom freaking out. I was like, mom, they're, they're sending me to a radiologist. And I really don't know <laughs> why they're doing this, but they have used the C word. And I was like, who gets cancer in their foot, first of all? So that was just, I just did not believe that that could happen. So finally, I go October 5th is when they come, they come back. So he was, once he read it, the radiologist read it, he said that we needed to do a biopsy in the next two days. And I was like, okay. So before I knew it, mom and dad were coming down and they came down and I actually had my surgery. And then a week later, October 5th, he came in, handed me a box of tissues, said, you have cancer. It's very aggressive. It's very rare. It's synovial sarcoma and it is very lethal. And if we don't cut your leg off that you will probably die. And then he walked out. So I didn't really like that answer, and I didn't really like that doctor. So I called mom, of course, crying. I had no idea what my life was going to be like. I'm like, how do I get cancer? Who gets cancer in their foot, first of all? And then everything started hitting me, you know, about my athletic abilities. Am I going to be able to run, walk? I mean, what, what am I going to do? I've, I've never heard of anybody. And the people you see with prosthetics are, you know, army veterans or someone that you just you just don't really know. And they're always you know, having to use crutches or a cane or at least the people I see. And I just really didn't want that life. So my dad and I was uh, my dad was actually with me at the time. And the very next day, October 6th, we were coming. And that was right when Hurricane Matthew was coming through the East Coast. And so I called mom and called nanny, and I think they called every church on the East Coast to start a prayer chain. And before I knew it, I had all these people calling me and texting me and telling me they were praying for me. So another blessing, um, this is just the start, was that we called Duke Cancer Center. And the lady that mom talked to was just super nice, super helpful, and we were able to get an appointment within five days, which never happens. So we finally met with Dr. Eward and his staff. And he confirmed the same thing that um, the other doctor in Florida had confirmed, that I had synovial sarcoma, and it was very lethal, very rare. So in the time that it took um, to get that appointment, so six days since my last biopsy, they explained it as if you have mushrooms in the yard and you kick some, some stay together and they never, they never move, but some you kick and they explode and go everywhere. So when they open me up for my biopsy, they freeze it, and then they cut a piece off, and then they send it, but they think when it opened it and it got exposed to air, that allowed it to spread. So it actually went, if you see the image right here, the white part is all cancer, and the grayish part is all healthy. So my entire talus was just full of cancer, as well as the top of my foot, and then about 10 centimeters up my leg. So they actually had to go 10 centimeters higher than they wanted to. They were just going to amputate my foot at first, and then it, they had to go 10 centimeters above that. So I actually lost my leg from mid-shin down. And then a lot of people asked me um, during this time, like, you know, what kind of keep kept me going when I got that news because it was kind of inevitable at this time that I was going to lose my leg no matter what. So Dr. Ewart gave me two options. He said we can take what they call an ice cream scoop and we can scoop out the entire top of your foot you'll have it'll be um they'll take two bones from my right foot and fuse my foot together it'll be locked at 90 degrees you'll never have normal flexion and extension in it and you're going to end up in about five years having to have it amputated anyways so your choices are kind of limited we can either amputate it now or we'll amputate it later so after meeting with some of the limb loss nurses and the prosthetic um people, I was determined that I was just going to go ahead and get it amputated and that I would just not let it slow me down. So after that, I go home and I got prayers, cars, visits. I mean, so many people came and my house looked like a Hallmark store. I had so many cards and my cousin's little boy, Troy, would always come over and help cheer me up no matter what. It's true, like little children, no matter what, they don't really know what's going on. He always he asked me was I a transformer because I was going to get my leg cut off and have a metal one, 
<laughs> it was just so funny. And then the uh, other two kids, they actually went to their schools. Um, they go to Bethel, and they had their classes uh, without their mom telling them or anything. Their classes all wrote me um, get well soon cards, and they brought them over. So I thought that was really nice of them. All right, next. So this is always a, one of my favorite Bible verses of God at my bedside. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, give you hope in a future. And that last two or three, uh, the two words I really want to focus on is hope and future. So obviously I'm 25, I'm about to turn 25 years old, December 25th. And when the doctor is meeting with you and they're telling you, you know, because after I had this amputation, uh, they told me it was all gone. They told me that they were, you know, pretty positive. I was going to live a normal life, and that was it. And then I go back, my very first scan, and he comes in and he tells me it's in my lungs and pretty much tells me I'm going to die. So I was like, you know, I, I just feel like I've been let down, and, and at that time I was I was just like, you know, where where are you, God? Like, why are you doing this to me? And I was really upset. But then if you keep looking back on things, like, the blessings of the cars and the visits and the prayers. And then when I was actually in the hospital, I had the best uh, care team at Duke. Miss Nancy was my limb loss nurse. She's the one that's doctoring my leg after my amputation. And then um, I called him Sir Charles because he would always bring swords in from the children's ward and we would have sword fights and stuff. He was really cool. But he was one of the best nurses ever. And then uh, my teammate, so in the top uh, left picture, or the one where I'm standing like a whole foot above the other guy, that's my roommate, uh, Mike. He actually lives in New York, and he drove 13 hours to come for my surgery and never left my bedside no matter what. And it was just it was just a really good blessing of that. And then all of a sudden, the next night, I hear the nurses, um, only two at a time, two at a time, and like people going crazy. I'm like, what is going on? And all 35 of my teammates had come to see me, and they all came in the room at the same time. So, of course, the nurses and the charge nurse were all freaking out that something was going to happen. They were going to unplug me or something. So it, it was it was pretty funny that night, too. <laughs> so December 6th was actually six weeks to the day where I lost my leg from October 26th, which almost never happens. I was able to get casted, and then uh, it's actually very a very crazy process how they make prosthetics so my foot was actually made in indianapolis and they overnighted it to durham and then she was actually uh, cassandra who is my prosthesis was actually able they cast you like if you ever broke a bone or anything and then they make some indentions and they put you in a computer with all your dimensions and the computer actually makes your leg so it was actually a really cool process to see everything and then on december uh, 7th which is the next day after i got casted I was actually able to take my first step. So that that was actually really cool. And then I got to put the leg on for the first time. And I was just like, man, this is crazy. So my leg weighs five and a half pounds. And if you don't have it, it's kind of actually really hard to pick up and put down. But my first steps were on those parallel bars. And without those bars, I think I would have face planted. It was just, it was the scariest moment of my life. I felt like I was two years old again. But it was just another blessing because, you know, everybody else, a lot of people were like, you know, you're going to have to wait at least three, four months before your leg will heal and before you can get fitted and all this stuff. But I was actually able to do it in six weeks. So I was just really, really excited about that. So I have um, a lot of acts of kindness that go on from ranging from churches to schools to anything. So actually the uh, youth group here were able to do a, mo- a mom sale for me, which really helped me out. And the Baptist men were actually able to do um, my ramps for me, which was awesome because I was using a walker for a really long time and then crutches. And then I was actually finally able to conquer the stairs. I only, I only have three stairs at my house, but it was like conquering Everest with a, with my leg. Uh, and then I actually had a donation soup and sandwich by my church, Maharan um, Baptist Church on November 20th. And that was really nice. I had so many people show up, and I, I think I got to sample about, like, 40 different soups. It was so awesome. And then among those, I've had uh, numerous opportunities to speak at churches and schools, and I've had plate sales, and I also had my, my favorite was the baseball um, Brandon Warren nights. So I had one at my high school and one at my college at Barton, and that was a, that was really cool to have those. And actually, everybody was 
wearing my jersey and at my high school, uh, my favorite food at baseball games anyways is hot dogs. And my coach at Barton would always call me hot dog for like the first month and a half because my grandma bought me a hot dog after a doubleheader one time and he never let me live it down. And he told me I was going to eat my way out of baseball. <laughs> so, so, uh, I always had that, but they had the Brandon Warren special that night and it was, uh, it was two hot dogs and a drink and I just thought that was the most funniest thing ever. <laughs> and then I actually got to speak to a Hasi Christian school. So I went there from kindergarten to sixth grade. And that was just really awesome to be able to speak to all those uh, little children and even the seniors. I mean, it's a really small school, so there's only like five seniors, but they actually uh, did a penny drive for me. So they told everybody to, you know, bring your pennies or raid your mom's purse or something and bring some money. So they were actually able to raise a lot of money for me, and they had a little competition between all the grades, and it was just really cool to see, you know, how little children, they don't really you know necessarily know what they're given for but they're just so eager to do it and it's just it's such a blessing to see that and then this is a a picture of my my baseball night and day so on the right was me at my college I got to throw out the first pitch and they actually had special jerseys made for me and at the end of the games they auctioned them off and then for my high school everybody wore number 12 again and had my name on the back so that was actually really cool so these are some pictures of the tough times. Everybody always says, that, especially my mom, she says, no matter what, you know, she'll take selfies of me when I'm in the hospital and I'll just be knocked out or I'll just be really cranky because I don't want her to be taking pictures of me. But no matter what, I'm always smiling. So these are my tough times. As you can see, one, I'm just completely knocked out. I told mom I look like Mr. Clean and I'm just, I'm just knocked out with my bald head. And then the uh, nasty looking picture, I didn't really want to put in there, but that, that was what was keeping me back from getting my prosthetic. So, and when I first got my prosthetic, I could only wear it for 30 minutes every day. And that was because it hadn't really healed yet. And it was that one little place. And every time I put it on and take a step, it would bust open. And, of course, at that point, they're worried about infections, and they're worried about, you know, we might have to take more. So, of course, that was already freaking me out. I had just, you know, lost my leg, and I don't really want to lose anymore. Then the picture in the middle, I had just gotten my port, and I was awake the whole time. Me and the surgeon were talking about which music we liked, and and it hurt really bad. But after that, you know, I'm, I'm still smiling, and then, obviously, you can see the selfie Mom's pretty bad at taking selfies, but she tries. <laughs> so no matter when I go to Duke, I always seem to hit it right on when they have the therapy dogs. And I always say, what's God spelled backwards? So God spelled backwards is a dog. And no matter how I'm feeling, no matter if I'm throwing up or I'm just sick and the nurses are just like, do you want to see the dog? My answer is always yes. So this was a, this was around Easter time and she had her cute little bonnet on and I was just... I was sick. I was laying in the bed. I had just finished throwing up, I think, and she came in, and then you can just see my, my whole mood. I'm just I'm smiling, and I'm just having the greatest time ever. So my mom and my brother, they've actually been very influential in everything. My brother actually uh, decided to shave his head with me, which you'll see in the next slide. Um, but he kind of chickened out when we went there, so I got mine shaved completely, and he was like, I want to be bald, but not as bald as Brandon. So he he, he kind of chickened out a little bit, but there's our picture after we got it done. But I just really appreciate everything that they've gone through and everything that we're able to continue to conquer as a as a family. You can go next. So how is God using me? I'm actually able to. I've been able to speak at my church, Oak Grove Baptist Church, and a lot. Um, Alamance Christian School was the recent school that I went to, and I've also been able to help with Baptist men in my church. And you'll be surprised how many people you meet because it's like my pastor told me that you can go and you can, you know, speak to anybody you want on the street. But I always have an interesting conversation piece because everybody looks at my leg and they're like, oh, so what happened? Or like, you know, when I go to Virginia and they're like, thank you for your service. I'm like, no, it's just cancer. Like, no big deal. (laughs) So, yeah, so it's, it's always, you know, it's always funny to see people's reactions when they're like, thank you for your service. And you're like, it's just cancer. And they're just like. Oh, and it's like they don't know what to say after that. But it, it's an interesting conversation piece, and I'm actually able to use it very well. I've been able to use it at Duke 
many times with people asking me, you know, how is it going or how did you get that or, you know, what kind of cancer do you have? So it's actually really influential and it's really been a, a big conversation piece. That's why I like to wear shorts all the time because especially little kids, they'll always ask me, you know, like, are you a robot or something? So it's, it's really easy to, to kind of transition into something. Next. So my mom and I were actually uh, making this PowerPoint and I don't really want it to continue. I know right now you're just like, how much more is he going to say about himself? But I'm actually wanting to tell you that it's all about God. I, I would never be able to just stand up here because, number one, I really don't like public speaking. And number two, I just I, I don't know how else to describe it other than it's been 100% God in my life to help me do everything that I've been able to do because when we were sitting down and making this, we we decided on the word hope. And I, I'm actually doing a discipleship with my pastor at Meharan. And, you know, we go through, we meet every week. We discuss a little bit of the Bible and how, you know, I can give my life better to Christ. Because my life before all of this, I knew Christ. I was saved. But I was still that typical 21-year-old kid, 22-year-old kid who went to college and thought he was, you know, the best at everything did whatever I wanted, and church on Sundays was just something I just really didn't want to do. And now going through this, everybody, you know, comes up to me and they ask me, how can you always be smiling, or how can you do this, how can you do that? And it's 100% because of God, because in the beginning I was really mad at God, and I just didn't understand, you know. I, I had a perfect life. I thought that I never did anything wrong, and I just didn't, I felt like I was being punished instead of, looking at all the blessings that he's done out of this. So if you really go back and you look at this story, and especially my story of what has happened, so just to give you like a little timeline, um, October 5th I get diagnosed with cancer, and October 26th I lose my leg. December 12th, I know um, a lot of you might know this, a lot of you might not know it, but my dad decided to leave our family for his secretary. And then January 6th I found out my cancer had come back, and February 4th my dad died. So it was it was a really troubling time. I really didn't know why everything was happening. I didn't know. I thought it was because of me, and I blamed myself for a really long time that I was dad's star athlete, and then I got sick, and it's just like he didn't want to be with me anymore. And I kind of blamed myself for a long time that I was sick, and he couldn't handle that, and that's why he left. But... You know, going through all this and being closer with God and praying with God and being with mom, we just, we're, we're the strongest people that, that I know to, to be honest because I don't see how we can do that. I told mom our, our life is like a lifetime movie sometimes. Like I just, I really don't know where the goodness is going to come out of it, but when you look back at everything that's happened to me and everything that I've been able to do, I never would have been able to come and speak to you if, if this wouldn't have happened. I never would have been able to go to schools and speak to them. I never would have been able to have the change of heart that I have. I mean, who knows? If I would have been healthy, would I continue down the path I was going down where I would do whatever I wanted and church was just kind of a thing that I wanted to do sometimes? Or would it be like it is now where I'm at church on Sundays and Wednesdays and I'm helping out with Baptist men and I'm really involved and I just, I'm eager to read God's word every day? I mean, who, who knows would that, would that have happened? But going back to my analogy for hope, um, the first one I did is a heart for God. So a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So you have to first realize that God is greater than any situation. A lot of people told me, you know, doctors have an MD, but they're not G-O-D. So no matter, no matter what they say, he's always got the last say. And a cheerful heart spills over to others. So you'll be amazed at how many people just come up to me and just tell me, you know, you're always smiling. I don't see how you're doing that. And I mean, my answer is simple. It's, it's not me. It's God. I mean, I just, I can't explain it. And if I was sitting there sulking all the time and just being upset and mad, I don't think that I would have been able to meet half the people I've been able to meet and actually be able to, you know, witness the way that God has put all these situations in front of me. So the third uh, point is Bible study keeps our hearts renewed. So I'm, like I said, I'm always in my Bible. I'm always eager to, to read more every day and learn about things. And it's, it's also uh, a good point that my pastor at Meharan, Pastor John, uh, read to me is a lot of times when you read the Bible, you'll get a, a verse in particular and you'll read it. And that verse you'll just take out of context and you'll kind of turn it around to, to say that it means something that makes everything all right for you. 
So what I'm basically saying is he taught me to read two chapters or three chapters ahead of that verse and then two or three after that verse to really see what he's meaning because it's like, it's like with, you know, I can do all things through Christ who, who strengthens me. Well, you can take that verse and you can turn it into something that, you know, I can do this or I can do that. But to really get the meaning of it, you have to know why it was used and why God said that. And it's really been, you know, I would read the Bible through my kindergarten classes and up to sixth grade, but I never really understood what it meant. So now just actually being able to get an understanding of everything is actually really how I'm bettering myself with God right now. So it's just, it's really nice to be able to do that. And you can go next. So the uh, second one for the O is openness to God. So Psalm 139, 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. So the, what I like to see here is David in the lion's den. So David's asking God to reveal him what he sees and his most being, especially through his tough life. So when I look at my life and then I look at the Bible, Everybody, well not everybody, but a lot of people that were close to God had a lot worse off than I did. I always refer to Job and see how, you know, his whole life was taken from him. And then David, you know, he was being thrown in the lion's den and he didn't know whether he was going to live or die. And it's just, you know, no matter what, they just continued to pray to God and be with God and be close to God. And this is an interesting little picture right here with the candle and then the spotlight. So, I always refer to it as the candle was my faith before where, you know, if I walked into a dark room and I had a candle, you could only see in a little bit of the room. But if I'm in the spotlight, you can see everywhere. And that's kind of how I want people to look at me. I want people to look at me and see God shining through me instead of me hiding behind a candle and just lighting up a little bit as I go. So that's that's a nice thing that my pastor and my mom and everybody helped me with. And then uh, the P is for peace and patience. So God promises his people a peace that surpasses all understanding. So if you continue to read and you see all the many things that God did, you know, bringing, bringing God's people. And we're, start, we're learning in, in our church right now, you know, how he led them out of Egypt. And he was promising them the Canaanite land. But they were scared because the Canaanites were, you know, these big soldiers. And they had all these weapons. And they were just wandering in the desert. But they thought, you know, because... Because we have children and we're not, we're not trained like they are, then we're not going to do that. So they continue to wander for 40 years and it was just, and now their children are in the same place as their parents and grandparents have died. And it's just, you know, you, you look back in the Bible sometimes and you just wonder, you're just like, you know, if, if God was doing all this stuff for you, parting the Red Sea, taking you out of slavery, doing all this stuff, why were you always constantly doubting God? And that's kind of how I look at it in my life when, when I come and I go to Duke, so on November 2nd, I'm going back to Duke to get a scan. And all the time leading up to that, I'm 100%, you know, I've had my break from chemo. My hair is growing back. I've had the, I've had a normal life is what I like to call it for about a month. And I, throughout that time, I was just 100%, you know, there's nothing wrong. There's no cancer there. And November 2nd is going to be great. But now that November 2nd is kind of coming back, uh, the human side of me is just like, you know, what if it's bad? What if, what if it's spread? What if it's done this? What if it's done that? And I, I just, I've, I've had to learn very fast that you can't be like that. God sees everything. So while I can stand up here in front of you and you can see all this stuff going through me, God really knows, you know, if I'm up here just feeling your heads full of stuff or if I'm 100% serious. And that's what I want people to see in me is that, you know, I really do love God and God really is using me through my life. So, good next. So my last visit, um, this is just a little story that I wanted to share to you. My last visit at Duke, I was very nervous, very scared. I had my uh, my imaging done, and they decided after the imaging that we had kind of hit a plateau where the cancer wasn't really growing, wasn't really you know responding to the treatment anymore. So we were kind of just going to give it a break. I had been through eight rounds, which is three days in a hospital, so 24 days in total of staying in the hospital, getting chemo every day, and it just really taking a toll on my body. So I met this lady, Miss Rosa Perry, who every time I go to get an um, image, we get called back by a guy. And this time we got called back by a girl, and she was saying, Brian Warner. And I was like, well, there's no one else in here, so she must be referring to me. So I was like, are you best chance trying to say Brandon Warner? And she was like, oh, yeah, I just can't see my glasses. She was a sweet little old lady. So she actually called me back, and she sat there, and she looked at me after taking all my vitals and everything, and she said, I just want to let you know that you are anointed by God. 
And I kind of looked at mom like, how does she know that? Like, she doesn't know me at all. And she continued, you know, to kind of preach a little bit to me and told me that, you know, she had had a hard life and that she was a pastor now, but she did this. She was a nursing assistant on the side and that she hadn't gone to seminary or anything. She said that one night God told her that if, if she'll be willing to read his book, that he'll give her what she needed to do so she could go and, and proclaim his word. So she pulled out um, of her pocket. She said, I had a dream two weeks ago that a woman and her son was going to come into this clinic and that I needed to tell him everything was going to be okay. And she said, your first scan was for you. Your second scan was for you. But God said the third one is going to be for him. And that was my third scan. So I'm sitting there now. I've got like chill bumps. and I'm, I'm just going crazy. I'm looking at mom. I'm like, what is this lady doing? And so then they come and they call me back for my scan. I go back for the scan. And, of course, the nurses are just like, is, uh, is Crazy Rosa talking to y'all? And I was just like, yeah. I was like, she's know, she knows a lot about me that I really don't understand how she knows. But she told me things that there's no way you could have known. Like, for instance, um, I always feel like if someone else has a problem, that I'm quick to help them or want to help them. But when I have a problem, I'm always really quiet about it. I want to kind of do it by myself and fix it. But all the times I can't do that. So she told me that, and I'm just like, well, there's no way you know that. This is the first time I've ever met you. So, of course, I'm feeling really good, but kind of, you know, still doubting. I don't really understand what was going on. But we go down, and they read the scan. They tell me, you know, the news that we've kind of hit a plateau, and we're not, we're not really seeing where it's working anymore. But they've shrunk in half. Um, the ones in the top of your lungs are the size of the tips of your fingers, and the ones at the bottom have shrunk from a golf ball to half of the size of a golf ball. So we're actually going to you know, give you a choice. We can press on for one or two more rounds, or you can take a break. They wanted to do a three-month break, but after talking with mom and talking with what I kind of wanted to do, I didn't really want to wait that long, so I did a month and a half. So that's why we're going back so early in November. Um, and then we were able to actually uh, meet that. So I was actually just really... I was really scared the whole time, but then when they actually told me the news that, you know, if they're not growing, then that's great news, he said. So, and I'm actually, um, he, Dr. Riddell is a sarcoma specialist, and he only sees uh, the type of cancer I have because it's so rare, but he has eight patients that he sees at Duke. And he said that my response to the chemo has been the best that he's ever seen because my chemo, uh, my cells were every single one of them where you usually just see one or two that shrink or, or um, respond to the chemo, but every one of mine had shrank in some way. And he said he had never seen that before. So I was just really thankful for that. And that was just another blessing in, in God's life. And throughout all this in this story, if you if you don't see anything else, I just want you to see that, you know, God uses really bad situations for his good. And what I mean by that is I thought when I had cancer, that was the end of that was the end of everything. I was always, you know, I had a job at State Employees Credit Union, and it was it was okay. You know, I really liked it. I really liked meeting the people and doing what I did. But I, I never really felt like that was what I was being called to do or what I wanted to do. And then when I got cancer, I just really didn't understand that. I didn't understand, you know, what did I do to you know make God mad? And then when Dad left, I really didn't understand that either because Dad was my best friend. And then when dad died, I really didn't understand what was going on. I'm just like, what, why are you doing all this to me? And I'm sitting there in the hospital with dad on the ventilator, and I'm just, I'm mad at God. I'm yelling at God. I just, I don't understand. I want answers. You know, I'm talking to dad, but he's not really responding to me. I didn't even know if he really knew I was there, or if he wanted me to be there, or he cared. And then right before everything, uh, right before everything happened, and we took him off the ventilator, they told us that he was going to die within five minutes of us taking him off the ventilator. And we took him off. We went in there, and he opened his eyes. He looked at me, my brother, and my mom, and told us that he loved us. And that was the last words that he said, but he lived for eight hours after that. But it was the last words he ever said to me, and that was, you know, we asked him many times, are, are you right with God, and, and have you... Um, have you repented for your sins? And, you know, it's between you and God. And he told us many times that he had. And that was that was the only thing we really wanted to do. We didn't really want to reconcile everything that had happened. I didn't need him to say he was sorry for leaving. I just needed to make sure that I was going to see him again one day. 
So that that was just a really big, uh, really big time in my life and a really big reason in my story that I just want everybody to see. You know, I didn't understand why dad had to die. I didn't I don't understand. I still don't understand why I have cancer, but I know that God's using me in ways that I never would have been used before if I didn't have cancer because I never would have had the courage and the and the strength to stand up in front of people and tell them about Jesus and tell them about all the things that he's done in my life. And I just really want people to, to look at me and to look at my family and to look at what God has done because it isn't all about me and this story isn't about me at all. It's just how God can take a really bad situation and turn it for his good. I mean, the, a highlight of me doing this is uh, through Facebook. I know a lot of you are friends of me on Facebook and I always like to put a Bible verse that I've read that day or I've read that night. Um, doing my nightly devotions, but I always like to put that up there. And I was just amazed that before I had cancer, I might get like 10, 15 likes on the status or something. And then after I had cancer, I'll get 150, no, you know, no problem. And I'm just like, this is just crazy. So one of, uh, one of my teammates, grandmothers, who's 80 years old, lives in New York, never met her in my life. She said that she had a friend of me on Facebook and she had just read through my story. And that her, from her reading my story and reading, you know, all the things that I'm doing, and every picture she sees me in, I'm always smiling, that she uh, one day just got an urge to go back to church. And she went to church, and her husband never really went to church, but she drug him along too, and they both rededicated their lives um, that next Sunday after they went to church. And I just, and she, you know, she gives me all the credit for it, but I just told her straight, I was like, it's not me, it's God, and that's what you really need to you really need to understand, you really need to think, you know, God's doing all this through my life so that maybe you can see how he's working and see how a hopeless situation is actually full of hope. So, and then actually, uh, recently, I just want to include this short story. I had a guy from Durham, never met him before either. His wife just beat breast cancer two years ago, and he reached out to me um, through a mutual friend. We have one mutual friend, which is the friend that I went to Durham to speak to her daughter's school at Alamance Christian School. And he had stomach pain, went to the doctor, and they did a PET scan and MRI and actually found out that he had stage 4 cancer. It's in his bowels, his brain, his esophagus, and one other place. But it's really, really bad, and he got all his news yesterday. And for some reason, once he got his news, I just had this really big urge. Like, it was just biting at me all day to... To message this guy. So I messaged him and, you know, I told him that I can't promise you everything is going to be okay. Um, he has two small children, two small daughters, and I, I, was, I can't say that, you know, God's going to make you okay, but I know that his will is going to be done and that you have a great support system and you always have me. And I was like, if you need any questions, me to pray with you, someone to yell at, scream at, I was like, I'll, I'll be here for you. And, and his response to me just really kind of brought me to tears. I was just he told me that, you know, through going out all this, he had been saved at a very young age, but he hadn't been to church recently. And that he actually took the time and went through my Facebook, like all the way to the end, he said one day when he was sitting at home and he had just got this news yesterday. And he just said that he really commended everything that I had done and he could really see stuff. And that that made him want to be closer with God and just how that he didn't feel alone anymore. He said he felt so alone, even though he had his wife there and his kids and, and his family. He said he just had this hopeless and senseless feeling that he was alone. But me messaging him just just somehow made him feel safe again. And just that he had a friend that he's never met before, but that someone who could pour out love and has no idea what he's going through. And that just really you know took me by surprise and really brought me to tears because I'm just like, you know, he's just like me. Who's to say that, that my scan on November 2nd won't be bad too? But it doesn't matter because it's all about what God's going to do. It, you know, God's using me for what he wants. And I truly don't think that God is going to be done with me yet. But, you know, if he is, then then that's his will and that's that's what he wants. So, And that's the biggest thing that I've always had to, you know, I'm 20, I'm about to be 25 years old. I have a, you know, I have a girlfriend. I want to have a family, get married, have kids one day too. But if that's not what God wants me to do, I'm going to stay every day on earth like I've got, you know, to live it like it's my last. And that's what I've been doing. If people ask me to come speak, and 100%, yes, I'm coming to speak. If you want to listen to me, 
for 30 minutes, then I'll speak to you for 30 minutes. But that, that's basically, you know, just how I live my life every day. And I just have these questions at the end of this. Um, you know, would you be open to let God shine in the searchlight of his purity and his love into your heart? Would you be willing to let him share with you how he sees you? So everybody kind of goes through depression, like I go through depression sometimes when I'm about to have my scans and everything, but I always look at look at God and how he sees you in his image, that I may be sick and I may have, you know, a prosthetic leg, I may have no hair, be bald, but, you know, how does God see me? God sees me as perfect. I'm a child of his, and I'm a child of God, and I'm always under his wings. And would you be willing to change things in your life that is grievous to him? That was a big thing for me, is I would go to church on Sundays and be one person and I'd go to school Monday through Friday and be another person. And I just, I knew that that wasn't right with God. So that's what I've been trying to do. You know, it's it's been a slow process, but that's what I'm doing right now. And then the very last one is, uh, why not pray the prayer and see what God does in your life to benefit you in his glory. So a lot of people, when things are going wrong, they pray and they might not get the answer that they want to hear. But if you think back, how many things have God has God given you that you didn't ask for? And that's that's a lot of things. That's a lot that that I've been able and blessed to actually see is all, all these opportunities and things that I've been going through. I, I didn't ask for. I didn't pray for. But what I have prayed for, God may or not give may or may not give me. But look at all the blessings that He gave me that I didn't even ask for. And then I think this uh, this is a short little video. It kind of just it's like three or four minutes long, um, but Dr. Vincent showed it to me this morning, and I just thought it would go pretty perfect with uh, what I've been telling you right now. It just kind of shows you, um, you'll get the gist of it once you see it, but it just kind of shows you everything that, that you go through as uh, as fine and now, and then in the end, and then on November 2nd is when I go back, so I'm just praying for the best on that, so you can go ahead with that. With you, Jesus, feel your presence and know you're near. I want to see you, Jesus, move in power and cast out fear. I need to hear you now, I need to know it's you. Promises, I know your word is true. You're bigger than what I see. It's you in exchange for me. Even the impossible can be reality. Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. I want say what you're saying, speaking life to what is dead, and I want to cling to you, Jesus, who hanging on your every breath, I need to hear you now, I need to know it's you. I know your words are true You're bigger than what I see And it's you in exchange for me Even the impossible is your reality Jesus, I believe Jesus, I believe So let your kingdom come And let your will be 
your promises I know your word is true You're bigger than what I see It's you in exchange for me It's even the impossible Is your reality I need to hear you now I need to know it's you I'm sending out your promises I know your words are true closing words is uh, another Bible verse that has really been influential to me. Do not be anxious about anything but every situation. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And I just want to thank you guys for letting me come and share my testimony with you. And just if you wouldn't mind on November 2nd, maybe just saying an extra little prayer for me um, as I have my next scan. And then I'll just close us with uh, a word of prayer real quick. So uh, dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, thank you so much for all the many blessings you bestowed upon me and my family, dear Lord. And I just ask for you to be with this congregation, dear God. And I just ask you to let their hearts be open and full, dear Lord, as you have just shown them your mighty works through through my story, dear Lord. And just how you can take a hopeless situation and turn it very hopeful and just praise your name, dear Lord. Dear Lord, I ask that you continue to use me for your will to be done. And dear God, I just ask for you to help me to continue to to just lead people to Christ and just to be able to do anything you ask me to do, dear Lord. I ask you to be with the sick and the suffering. I ask you to be with this congregation, each and every person in here, dear Lord, and just be with them and bless them this week. And dear Lord, I just ask for you to just continue to let your praises rain down on us. In your name I pray, dear Lord. Amen. Thank you.